This is the Yay, I'm Reg Clay. Hi, I'm Catherine, our guest host, <laughs> Catherine Park. And this is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. We are sponsored, as always, by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. As always, we want to thank Central Works for sponsoring us and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. It is a, uh, this is our first podcast of 2023. Norman is away. He's at Napa with his wife. And I have as our special guest host, Catherine Park. Hi. Yay, yay, yay. <laughs> and uh, we have a wonderful guest, Lauren DePass. How are you, Lauren? I'm good. How are you? Doing wonderful. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, it's about to rain. Uh, you know, it's. I don't know why I listened to the weatherman. The weatherman was like, oh, my God, it's going to be a torrential storm this week. And it's going to be horrible. And there's going to be flood watches. I imagine other parts of California have gotten it bad. But in San Francisco, nothing. Very little nothing. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? Uh, Yeah, actually, um, in Palo Alto, where I'm from, there was somebody who was surfing in the back of a car because it was so flooded. Um, thankfully where I live, like my street, um, there wasn't any flooding because if there was, I would not have stepped foot outside of my house. No, no. (laughs) Right. Exactly. But I've heard that's like Sacramento and so so there are some other areas in California where I guess there is flooding. I think, uh, we just sort of missed it. I'm glad. You know, I thought I missed it too, but then I was on my neighborhood, like social media, Facebook, like page. Mm -hmm. And then I saw these just home little phone videos of people kayaking down the street in our town. Not in a lot of water, you know, it's like shallow water, but they, apparently they went two miles in Alameda. Wow. Which is, yeah. So there's little pockets and then on Bay Farm, like here and there, there's just like one house that's just like, like a couple feet of water. But then most people haven't, we just kind of slept through the last storm, I feel like. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, usually I love the rain, but the rain and the winter is, is you know, is not good. I hate cold rain. Yeah. <laughs> I relate yes. to that heavily. I mean, anyone who knows me is like, it's a personality trait at this point that I'm just cold at all times. So I Me too. Cold yes. in the wet. I like, I don't tolerate it very well. You know, I like the tropics. <laughs> You know, yes, <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Where are the tropics? Um, like uh, Jamaica. Is yes. great, yeah. So, I mean, places like there where it's warm all the time. Mm-hmm. It's that's that's yeah. my favorite. Those I want to go back nights. to Hawaii again. Yes. Yeah. Miss, yeah. I love Hawaii, too. Yeah. Which Same. island did you go to? Um, in Hawaii? Yeah. Kauai. Kauai. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love Kauai. Yeah. It was Kauai. very pretty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went to Maui. So, but that was way back then. Um, so one, uh, how was everyone's 2023? How was everyone's 2022? Because we had our last, our very last episode was with Mallory and me and Norman. We were just talking about how the year was. It was really strange. I mean, I had some wonderful things. I got to get on stage for a couple of times, mm-hmm. a couple of theater spaces that I've never been to before. Um, well, we've talked about the Altarina thing. I think we've <laughs> killed that cat. And Catherine, you've been posting a lot about the whole Altarina thing. You had yeah. a lot of responses to it. Oh my gosh. It's, I feel like it's never over. Like we have, um, right now it's, it's, I feel like, um, a little bit frustrated, but I'm trying to be very patient with people there. I, I have one person that I've been talking to mm-hmm. who is the, uh, I guess it's called a community, 
uh, advisory board member, oh, um, okay. Jeff Cambra, who has been very helpful. So he's helping mediate right now. Um, and I'm just a you know concerned community member. I haven't worked there, but I'm very interested to see if they are able to just even at the highest levels and at Alterina just begin to even understand the term anti-racism, terms like BIPOC that are apparently new to yeah. These people, I, don't, so. I don't know if you know what's been going on, Lauren, but there was an article written by the San Francisco Chronicle about the Altarina and a couple of actors who have had really, really bad experiences there. And oh, that's really unfortunate. I think I actually did read that, um, yeah, way back, and I was not uh, happy to read what I read. Yeah. And I, I hope that you know um, steps are being taken yeah. to remedy that, but I don't know how that has updated right right exactly and you know we'll see and sometimes it takes something like a community outreach or you know mm-hmm. an article or you know like the interview that i had with april Deutschly mm-hmm. to create a response you mm-hmm. know some people will respond naturally like i was talking to theater first uh, there was uh, john tracy who was the artistic director he's now moved on to i think the marin shakespeare company mm-hmm. but he talked about how his company just naturally said hey listen we need to not just hire people of color, but really yeah. have stories about people of color and listen yeah. to the people of color, yeah. not treat our actors like a hired hand. Oh, let's get a black person. Let's get an Asian person. Let's get, you know, yeah, something to right. color up our little story. But let's, you got to actually listen to people. Right. So hopefully something like, easy. yeah, it, it, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason to burn bridges in theater because, you know, people have long memories and all of a sudden you have a, a, um, an audition right. and right. nobody shows up yeah. because yeah. you know why. Yeah. So. Yeah. Very true. So, um, so how was everyone's 2022? Did you have a good 2022? Uh, me, I. Uh, well, it started out kind of just a wasteland of opportunity in uh, January, and then it was such a roller coaster because then, boom, like everything was opening up again, mm-hmm. and so it really felt like a roller coaster to me. I had some really <clears> wonderful <throat> moments, like with Anarchy Quartet. Um, I spent a lot of time in the recording studio with my band, so it, there was some definitely some good spots despite the kind of like it felt definitely like just surfing you did some away. Film stuff, didn't you? Didn't you do some film stuff? Oh yeah, I did. I did uh, finished up filming at the beginning of 2022 uh, a feature film called uh, Sorry We're Dead and that's by Alex Zajacek and so that'll be exciting too it stars a wonderful actress her name is Sarah Lee Mm -hmm. and I met her um, a few years ago when we did a play at the Chinese Historical Society in in, uh, in San Francisco so she's one of my favorite actors in the Bay Area now she's in LA and just killing it wow yeah very, very cool. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Lauren? Did you have a good 2022? You know, it's interesting. My 2021 and my 2022 feel like the exact same year. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it does. It I, sounds I like know. Groundhog Day. Yes. Yeah, it's almost yes. like uh, those weren't two separate years to me. So I'm like, <clears throat> those are bleeding together. But I can yeah. speak to the, you know, the combination of the last two years. I mean, my 2020 was not good, as I don't think most people's were. Um, right. But um, after 2020, I've basically been doing theater non stop um and so i i can't i i'm I'm so thankful for that because you Mm -hmm. know um in 2020 there was basically nothing happening so i was just kind of like 
you know, um, and I also was living in L.A. And so now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So oh. I was living in L.A. going to Loyola Marymount University. So. I, yeah, I saw that on your Facebook thing. So you're a new, you're a recent new transplant of San Francisco. Correct. Yeah. Oh, I, um, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, I did grow up here, but okay. I, I was in L.A. and I was planning on staying in L.A. Actually, I had no plans on coming back home, but. I was in college and it was, I was home for spring break and I actually, I, I was coming home what I thought was going to be for like, you know, a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I was never went back to school. So, right. so I had to finish uh, college, um, at home wow. online, which mm-hmm. was really weird. Wow. Um, but yeah, so I moved from LA back home, um, to the Bay area and I've just been trying to hustle ever since auditioning for everything anywhere in the Bay Area. (laughs) Like, I was just like, there's so few things happening, like, especially in the beginning that I was like, you know, I'm going to go long distances. Like, I did a show in Pinole. I was Mm, like, yeah, so I'm like, I'll go anywhere. I'll take, you know, very long public transit. You know, I just want to be doing something at all times. That's just the kind of Yeah, Yeah, no, we'll hear more about your story. And, uh, you know, you did The River Bride at the Mm -hmm. uh, Sixth Street Theater and uh, working with Terrence Smith, a very good friend of mine. Yes. And uh, so that was awesome. There have been a couple of um, current events. As a matter of fact, last night, I never thought I would be riveted by a congressional (laughs) hearing. Oh, yeah. Uh... You know, I mean, geez. The Kevin McCarthy thing. Yeah, the Kevin McCarthy thing. I mean, you know. Isn't it like a smokescreen for not talking about January 6th as much or? I guess so. Well, I mean, just the Republicans just can't get it together. I mean, this is just not to get too deep into politics, but something as simple as just hiring, you know, voting for a Speaker of the House, someone who represents your group of Republicans. Mm -hmm. And you have just six solitary members who could stop the entire sequence and do it 15 times. I mean, even last night, you would think, okay, it's just popping yeah. circumstance. They've got it all sewed up. You don't even call for a vote unless right. you know you've got it. Right. And all of a sudden, Matt Gates, I guess, there's a, there's a term in baseball called a deke, D-E-K-E, where a thrower will fake like they have the ball and throw it. Ah. But they don't. They throw it somewhere else. And uh, basically lying. So it okay. sounds like Matt Gates just straight up lied to Kevin McCarthy. He says, yes, I, I'll, I'll vote for you. I'll vote for you. Oh, yeah. And then at the last minute, psych. Right. And it's just, it's childish. It's juvenile. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the Republican, I mean. <laughs> yeah, very unprofessional. I, I'm a lifelong yeah. Democrat, so just politics. I mean. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a Democrat too, and I, I feel really, there's so many people, like you watch the late night shows, and I was like, <laughs> like, let's just eat popcorn and watch this debacle. <laughs> right. But then again, also, I feel like there's a part of me also that need, I want to look within our Democratic Party because mm-hmm. we have this history of doing, like, I'm, I'm reading like these articles that are not like very popular, like people are not talking about it, but if we look into our Democratic Party, like who, like there's talk about how um, sometimes when there's two Republican opponents mm-hmm. um, and then funding the one that's more like oh, sure. crazy yeah, <laughs> and then that person ends yeah. up winning and then it, yeah. do we have a responsibility for that? Like, yeah. so um, it, I feel like that doesn't seem very ethical to me. And I understand like people want to win their election and go against the candidate that they more likely to win against, but yeah, 
Seems, yeah. <laughs> it's just two degrees of politics. There's local politics where you satisfy your own little constituency. Right. But then there's national yeah. politics. You represent right. all of America, not just your little, little pond. They're not looking to. Yeah. Fit. I don't know if you have a hot take on it, Lauren, I, but. Well, so, yeah, I mean, when it comes to the two party system in general, I've definitely always vote Democrat because I'm on the left. Um, yeah, same. But yeah. I do have issues with. Uh, the Democratic Party. I do um, personally wish it was more progressive. Um, yeah. Um, yes. That personally, I know that not everyone agrees with that. Um, but do you ever watch the Young, Tur- Young Turks? I I have uh-huh. <laughs> not recently, but I have. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I I do feel like you know there sometimes I feel like people are scared of criticizing that party because they want to be like you know it's like anti Republican anti Republican and I get that yeah. but mm-hmm. like yeah. but like we need to try to like. Um, solve problems within our own party as well, I think, to strengthen it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that that's probably my hot take. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, there's the whole mm-hmm. fundraising thing, like you mentioned, Catherine. Mm-hmm. Let's, so let's say Matt Gates or a Lauren Bobear may say, well, you know, I'll get money from my donors if I, you know, act like a kid. I really do compare the analogy of a mother telling a kid, listen, you need to eat your greens. You're not leaving this table until you eat your greens. Mm-hmm. And... That kid will be sitting there for two or three days, and the greens are there, there. until, let's say, the parent makes the concession. Okay, you're not eating your greens. Okay, never mind. Just I'll, I'll, put, I'll give you a donut or something right. like that, mm-hmm. and which is essentially what McCarthy has done. It's He's basically like, whatever you want to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like it's just so irresponsible. But yeah, if you do the fundraising thing rather than look at what your responsibility is yeah. for the entire nation. And you're right, Lauren. I mean, the Democrat Party, you know, we've see, seen it happen before. I remember the 2016 mm-hmm. Democratic National Committee where uh, Bernie was sort of, you know, crapped on. Yes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and that's where so many of my problems lie. <laughs> because, yes. like, even when he was, you know, doing very well in the polls, right. you know, right. media was not pushing him right. at all. Right. Um, so, like, even when he was leading, you know, so I was just like, mm-hmm. I feel like there's an intentional push sure. to, 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 you know, try to be as centrist as mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and, and I think, you know, that's probably because they don't want to give too much power to the people, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's mm-hmm. just, that's just, I don't know. That's my take. Yeah. So, so we'll see. And Amazing. if we think that what we saw last night <laughs> was the most dramatic thing, I guarantee you there's going to be more because there's oh, going to be yeah. legislation that will mm-hmm. be tried to be passed. Right. And we'll see what Kevin McCarthy does. Right. Okay, away from politics, some more funner <laughs> stuff. Now, here's a question I, 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 that I'm going to ask the two of you ladies. So, Cosby is going on tour in 2023. What? Which really? is really strange. Okay. Also, I think... <laughs> It was either last night or this past week, Louis C.K. had a sold-out show oh. in San Francisco. Gotcha. So I guess the question is, let's say an individual does something really, really horrible, usually towards women, mm-hmm. and they either apologize or they're convicted or they're, in the case of Cosby, he was convicted and then an appellate court said, no, never mind because of, I don't know, some... Um, <clears throat> something happened in the in the court system, you right, know, some right. tweak or whatever. Right. And then they go on a tour. Hey, forget about everything. Let's just wipe the slate clean. Uh, I have mixed feelings about that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, definitely mixed feelings over here. How do you, how do you feel? I mean, Louis yeah. C.K. did say he's sorry. Is that okay? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm less familiar with what Louis C.K. did. <laughs> he basically, I mean, it's kind of gross. Yeah. He's so he, I guess. Among his female comedian friends, he just whipped out his thing and started oh. ejaculating. 
Well, yeah, yeah that's like no <laughs> nice little, way to say. Very crazy. Um, I gotta say that yeah leaves me kind of floored. I don't know why anyone would <laughs> think that that's a, an okay thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it really highlights the culture that we're still living in, where it's just you know the entitlement to you know female attention, yeah. female bodies, mm-hmm. you know, not seeing like you know women as people <laughs> right 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 yeah um i mean it's a it's a pervasive issue and it's uh, you know it's super normalized and i feel like you know obviously these are examples of people doing pretty horrible things but it's like it's i don't think people realize that how pervasive it actually is and how normalized you're, you're it actually right. is yeah, yeah. Um, because like people are always like, oh, you know, these people are like hiding in the shadows. And, right. You know, like most people are good people, and these are not the good people. I'm, right. I'm like, they they aren't. I agree with you, but I think that that scope needs to be widened, and like yeah. everyone needs to look inside and really yes. question how they view people. Yes. And, you know, in this case specifically women, mm-hmm. and try to you know address their own biases, and you know just <laughs> try to treat women like the humans they are yes. i mean i always say i'm human first because i actually yes. feel like people forget this like especially like you know if you talk to guys online like like i have some online friends and sometimes you know they would cross a line where it's like i don't yeah. actually think you view me as a friend or an equal you know mm-hmm. what i mean so yeah. i mean it's it's a really a pervasive issue yes. it's crazy i'm sure you've gone through the same thing Catherine. oh throughout your life yeah i mean i feel like it's very important who we give a microphone to and who we mm-hmm. like <laughs> amplify and there's so many amazing artists and so many ma- amazing comics that mm-hmm. i think could do amazing thing with with a like netflix show or uh deal with a venue to have a tour you know there's there's so many great voices out there and I don't know if just I don't I'm not familiar with what CK or Louis CK has done like to kind of reform himself or has he like really done work has he Mm -hmm. done therapy has Mm -hmm. he been like is he someone who we can look as an example is it sincere or is it just yeah yeah so, yeah, and I how do, many strikes do we give? I mean, <laughs> well, right. Yeah. I mean, I you know I was talking with Norman because there have been throughout the couple of years all sorts of things, whether it be R. Kelly or whether it be yeah. I don't know. Um, it, the list goes on and on. Chris yeah. Brown and um, a bunch of others, mm-hmm. where someone may say, "Well, let me just strategize this out. Let me just you know wait a year or right. two, and then I'll yeah. jump back in the game and mm-hmm. see if I can." I mean, you know. Bill Cosby lost millions of dollars. He had a, uh, a television series before, I think it was a, a comedian who outed him. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, the, the information has been out of there, out there yes. for a while, which goes to what you're saying, um, Lauren, about it being normalized. I you're do right. wonder uh, what what are little boys taught. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do wonder how, because I would think that, of course, you know, I'm a Generation Xer, so. Mm. Maybe there were some trash talking in the locker room and boys are, you know, normalized into, you know, thinking about, you know, scoring with girls and all that sort of stuff. And I'll think the newer generation, you see less and less of that. I may be being naive, but I uh, I would hope that the the newer generation, you see a lot more men, boys, men who are more respectful for women. There's definitely, I feel like there's a 
a more bystander education where um, I feel like maybe like in the 90s or like early 80s, like I feel like maybe it was less common to be that person who's I'm going to speak up against this or I'm going to be someone who stands up for this person or just having that integrity and like also the knowledge and like the best practices for like, oh, if I see street, street harassment happening in front of me, what are the actual steps that I can do? And there's like there, I, I don't know what they're called now, but there was like Hollaback, um, dot org mm-hmm. that now they're under another name but they give you like bystander steps of how to act in situations where someone's getting you know harmed uh, oh, yeah. verbally yeah. or you know otherwise so i think that there's yeah some some progress mm-hmm. for sure happening but i think obviously there's a long way to go but the stories are so important and it's yeah. really i'm um, thank you for bringing it up because it's such a weird topic to discuss but so <clears throat> important to yeah, yeah normalize that this happens all the time yeah and also like um you know i'm on tiktok a lot probably more than i should be <laughs> but it's it's like nice <laughs> to see yes but it's nice to see you know like these younger men come on and you know speak in support of women yeah. but it's still so frustrating because if you look at the comments you should never look at the comments when you look at the yeah. comments you'll be like guys will be like i hope she sees us bro or like oh, <laughs> you know it's like everything they still oh, they think mock, they're they only doing it, yeah. yeah they mock it mm-hmm. so they're like they're, you're still doing this to essentially you know score with a woman eventually right. so like none of it they they won't even view it as genuine to yeah point. And, and i mean there's so many it's so many of them it's fascinating i mean it's we can talk about this at nauseum at yeah. the <laughs> toxic masculinity because yeah, right. yeah, i think a lot of us and, you know, you are educated if you want to be educated. There are some men who are like, you know what, I really need to be better when it mm. comes to dealing with women. There's some men who really could not care at all. That's true. They're yeah. like, I'm sick of these liberals trying to tell me what to do. <laughs> I want to live my own life, you know. What yeah. is all this gender calling and yeah. this, uh, you know, pronouns correct. and stuff or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And it's like, listen, it's just about respect. Yeah. Right. Do Lizzo you res- said, yeah. uh, I was just going to say, Lizzo said something really interesting on her, one of her uh, recent posts. She was saying that if everyone had to pay for each comment, you would think a little bit more about what you say before you say it. <laughs> very <laughs> true. <laughs> very true. Because yeah. people say anything. It's so out of pocket. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, if, uh, you know, like I was reading that Kanye West, you know, he thinks that, oh, I'm getting, you know, every, every time I say something controversial, I'll draw more attention to me and that can translate to money and all this right. stuff. Well, he's lost millions mm-hmm. of dollars and right. he's just ostracized but then again Kanye that's a you know, he, he's had issues with his mother and I yeah. think there's some psychological issues going For on sure. so that's yeah. very very different yeah. there's some other things I tried to add some fun stuff so uh, New York <laughs> has a rat problem I don't know if you've heard about this <laughs> really and <laughs> there's a dude named uh, who's a guardian angel um, he's at Curtis Silva it's, he's a crazy dude and his answer is feral cats he's going to unleash cats that is a good idea <laughs> I, mean, I mean I guess you gotta do what yes. you gotta do I don't know okay. the rap I'm problem sorry. is serious yes yeah. I'm so on board but, with but, that well I mean I mean, if you can tell the cats hey go after the mice right. yeah don't scratch up my you know sofa no, or, no, you know, no, don't no. go elsewhere yeah. I don't uh, know that was the problem in the you know before the plague is the, the church was like cracking down on these like women who like had cats and then there was apparently yeah yeah there's on it's on there's some netflix show about cats and i love cats so yeah. i was watching this and they're talking about the that 
uh, happened that a lot of cats were gotten rid of this evil and then you know the plague happened yeah. so i think there's there's something to be said about having enough cats around to control <laughs> <laughs> our public health sure sure no, but then we have to think about the birds too so oh, oh, oh yeah. i hadn't thought about that yeah. that's true <laughs> also i am very allergic to cats so oh. i mean that might cause me some problems yes that. That we have to think about that too yeah, yeah because like i'm super allergic <clears throat> anyway yeah, yeah no, it can I, be like a real thing people who have allergies and then so someone bad. just brings their cat along thinking sure. that it's fine but it's not yeah. for everyone yeah yeah i was reading a dear uh, prudence thing where i guess you know some married couple and the woman was pregnant and she was allergic to cats or dogs but mm-hmm. the husband's family was like well we have a dog and i'm not moving in away and no. who's your what does your wife have to say about her what it's just crazy so who did she pick the husband or the <laughs> no she was asking dear abby how do i get okay. my in-laws to respect my feelings and i'm okay. like listen you know you can't get people Right. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up about allergies, though, because it's it is so serious sometimes, and it's important yeah. to think about. Yes. Speaking yeah. of family beef, have you heard about the uh, the William Harry beef? This is um, oh yeah. The prince he has a book out. Harry oh, has a book yes. coming out, and I guess you know the uh, the most salacious thing about the book is I guess of course they were arguing about Meghan Markle. I, I don't get the point. I mean. <laughs> She's black. What's the big deal? Right. And right. what's the problem? I know. And apparently Harry and William got into, William pushed down Harry, pushed him on the floor. What? And oh, uh, it, it wow. just, and, you know, Harry is, and of course, I guess the big news in England, I don't know if I really care about all of this, but <laughs> it's like, well, why are you saying all of this? Why are you, you know, spilling the tea as the yes, young right. folks say, you know, because what is the purpose of the Because your story is your power. Yeah, True. that's right. True. Your superpower. So that okay, so that's a little crazy. And the last thing, I wanted to get your guys' advice on this. So I don't know if you watch Good Morning America, um, but there's a um, a two hosts, Amy Robark and T.J. Holmes. Both of them are married to different people. You probably know the punchline. They hooked up. Oh, <laughs> and they are in love, and they're in a relationship. The and Good Morning, Good Morning Amer- America hosts. Yes, hooked up. Yes. Oh, I didn't have no idea. And <laughs> they have officially both divorced each other's, you know, respective oh. um, uh, spouses. Yeah. And they are now, you know, in a relationship. But the interesting, and none of this is our business, but Good Morning America dismissed them. And I'm oh. Like, oh, what's the big deal? I mean, so yeah. what? They're, they're equal, like they're not one's one person's boss or anything. No, they're equal, okay. they're equal co-hosts. Okay. Oh. And I guess, and I'm sure in some organizations, in some, you know, companies, there's a policy of not hooking up with coworkers or something like that. And, and I guess they're human. They're human. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's tough to police people to that degree. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of yeah. like, you know, I mean, how long were they doing this job? I mean, for a while, yeah. a couple of years now. I'm surprised know. you guys didn't hear about this. No, no I'm totally going to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know all the details, but I mean, I guess they might have like some sort of code of ethics and I don't know if they broke it technically, yeah. but mm-hmm. I, it's, yeah, it's tough. I mean, at this point it's, it is kind of like you can get fired for mm-hmm. not that much. I mean, like I, there's some things sure. that people should certainly be fired for, but, sure. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's kind of like, I don't know. 
Where, you know, where is the line to some degree? I mean, at the very least, they could have disclosed, hey, listen, we got, well, then again, they, they would bust up their marriage anyway, but right. <laughs> I don't understand how you could police something like that. Yeah. So. I mean, that's, that's their own business, you know? Yeah. I've heard so many stories about this in the pen, like pandemic times, people just like living their best life, quitting their jobs, like being mm-hmm. in this relationship, not being with that relationship and just kind of cleaning up. That's like. right. You know, it's interesting <laughs> that you mentioned that. I've, uh, I've heard reports that because of COVID-19, has put a lot of either strain or it strengthened relationships. Mm. It really puts mm. relationships to the test. Yes. All of a sudden you live with someone and now you're working from home. So you're spending more time right. that will either strengthen the bond or crack it. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, it's been fascinating. There've been other little stories like CVS and Walgreens are petitioning FDC to approve over the counter abortion pills, which uh, I cool. definitely favor, That's which will be a cool. wonderful thing. That's wonderful. Um, yes. There's of course the football thing. Uh, the safety is he's recovering uh, and he's getting well. Oh yes. Good. So that's wonderful. Yeah. I do wonder who's handling his bills because the mm-hmm. NFL, they have a habit of, oh, thoughts and prayers for the player. But, you know, you cover your own expenses. Really? And this is a second year player. He's not making that much money. Oh, wow. So his medical bills could eat up really, really <laughs> right? quickly. The defibrillator and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So so we'll see. Yeah. With that said, let's get into theater. Lauren pass. tell us an origin story. How, where were you born and raised and how did the theater bug bite you? Okay. So yeah, I was born and raised in Palo Alto, California. Um, cool. So yeah, I've awesome. been here for basically my whole life as opposed to when I, I was in college for four years but mm-hmm. siblings um, do you have siblings I have one older brother yes okay. <laughs> um, and so I how did the theater bug bite me well I <laughs> I found something when I was like five years old of me it it was one of those questions that the school gives you where it's like what do you want to be when you grow like when you grow up and mm-hmm. so I in my really horrible handwriting <laughs> I said a singer oh. and so from a very very young age I knew that I wanted to sing. So that's what I knew first. Um, And so, you know, I, it was the sort of thing where like, you know, I could, my mom told me I would be really, really upset, but if she turned on my favorite cassette, you know, (laughs) if she put in my favorite cassette, then like, um, I would just be happy again. And, you know, I was just like, I don't know. It's always been a way to, you know, calm myself down or soothe myself because I've always been an anxious uh, individual. Mm -hmm. Um, So I knew from a very young age that, you know, that was, I wanted to do something in the arts. So, but then... Um, I've also always danced. I mean, I was also told that like at three or four years old, there was a wedding that I went to and I literally danced on the dance floor or like all night long until (laughs) I, until I literally passed out on the dance floor and then people just let me let the energy out. Yeah. I, I, it's exactly that. So, you know, I started taking dance classes, um, like at seven years old. Um, Mm -hmm. and I did mostly hip hop because that was my favorite. (laughs) Um, as I've gotten older, I decided, you know, classical training will help me with musical theater. So I started adding the other styles to my Mm -hmm. repertoire, but like, you know, rhythm always came naturally to me. Um, singing was something that came fairly naturally to me. And I just would, I, as I grew up, I fostered those things. And, but growing up in the Silicon Valley, the older I got, the less and less it felt possible to Mm. do anything in the arts. Cause it's like, that's not, encouraged you yeah. know like people are talking mm. about their startups people are talking about being sure. a doctor people are talking about someone's like mm-hmm. I'm like okay i got i have to get serious so like around middle school you know i kind of gave up on all of it um and i was like okay i'm gonna uh-huh. focus just on you know i'm gonna focus on stem i'm gonna get good at stem i've never been good at stem <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. that's my my entire family i'm the odd one out like my entire family 
you know, they they did something in science, um, and so including my brother, who's mm-hmm. a biomedical engineer. Oh wow! <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, so that's like the background that I came from. So it's kind of like no one in my family did the arts. Like I was just kind of wow. this anomaly that was just yeah. like. Did you do like high school musicals, things like that? I didn't actually. Okay. No. So wow. I yeah. So I took the only. Um, introduction I had to theater when I was younger was in middle school actually I had taken one or two drama classes and I did Mm -hmm. like it but I it it Mm -hmm. came when I went to high school I had to end up choosing between choir or drama like Mm. that was something that I had to choose and at that point I was still like very in love with singing (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I still am but I was like so I'm like that was a really hard choice for me but I ended up choosing Choir. And then I ended up doing cheerleading, actually, for four years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, which, you know, seems unrelated, but it's really not, though. Because, I mean... very much. Yeah. I mean, I was choreographing for that team for basically all the years that I did it. Wow. Um, So, I got choreography experience, you know, thinking about spatial and spatial awareness and, you know, being used to performing in front of, you know, crowds regularly. Yeah. 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 Um, So, in that sense, it was related. But, and so, I went to college at uh, UC Davis first, which I, (laughs) I only went there because, again, there was this culture of go to the the best school that you get, got into. So, that was like the, you know the most elite school that I got in into. So mm-hmm. I was like, I really wanted to go to USC or UCLA, but those places are so selective. Even though I had like really high GPA, it just mm-hmm. wasn't enough. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, everyone has a high GPA nowadays. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, and sometimes it depends on the high school that you're in. You know, there's some true. schools yeah. are like, yeah, you got a 4.0, but that was that that school is crap or something like that. That's true. Mm-hmm. But also the opposite happens. I went to Gunn High School, which is like a super, super competitive high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so many people from that school have above 4.0s that, you know, they're only going to allow so many people from that one school. And mm-hmm. so if you're not in the top, yeah, then you're less likely to <laughs> get there too. So like my, so that, that was an issue too. It's like so many people were doing so well at my school that it was mm. like, it made it so unlikely. So anyway, I was at UC Davis for two years. I was really miserable if I'm being honest. Mm. It was very cold. It was very yeah. wet. Yeah. You had to bike everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I just remember it being like 38 degrees, me like biking to my 8 a.m. final, can't feel my hands. Oh my like, gosh. Oh God. <laughs> and it was pouring rain. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I can't do this for two more years, please. I can't do it. Um, so it, while I was at Davis too, I switched my major so many times. Like I, oh. I, I kept telling myself, I'm like, I need to do something serious. I need to do something lucrative. Like I need to, I need, so I tried, you know, I started with a psych major, but I was going to get a BS in psychology. So I needed to take chemistry. I needed to take biology. I needed to, so I, I really tried to go down that route and it's not like I failed. I mean, like I got a B in chemistry, but I had to work so, (laughs) so hard and I didn't enjoy it at all. So I was like, you know, which which is part of it, you know, if you're, Mm -hmm. If you fail, you know, you can say, well, listen, did I, was it something I'm passionate about? I mean, I have no problem admitting the things that I sucked at doing because I hated doing it. So go ahead. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So yeah, it's like, it's like, why am I working this hard for something that I know that I don't want to do? Like, it's just like, there's some, there's people who have actual interest in this, you know, like, and I'm I'm just, I'm really, I'm not (laughs) one of those people. So like, then I tried um, animal science and I was like, well, I don't actually want to work with cows. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And then I tried design and I was like well I'm a terrible like I can't draw at all so I'm like how am I gonna do design Mm -hmm. when like 
50% of it is sketching out what you want to do first. And like, I can't draw. Mm. So I was like, okay, that's not going to work either. So I, I had cycled through basically everything. And, and actually the class that I took that I found the most interesting was philosophy. <gasps> um, and so I, I, I took a philosophy class and I took a theater improv class. And mm-hmm. that, that was like, between those two of those classes, somehow I just came to the realization like that I should do what I want to be doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I switched, I, I applied to a whole bunch of colleges. Once again, really wanted to transfer to USC or UCLA. Didn't happen, even though I did well at David's too, but it, it's so random. I don't know mm-hmm. how people get into these schools, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But so I went to LMU. Um, Loyola Marymount. Yes. Marymount, yeah. Yes. Uh, which was, um, you know, it was a beautiful campus. Um, and it was so different from Davis because mm-hmm. Davis, like, you know, there was 500 people lecture halls, mm-hmm. you know, so you're like, you're taking a class of like 499 other people. Wow. <laughs> Whereas at Loyola Marymount, my classes were like, you know, 20 people max. Oh, there less. you go. So yeah. Nice. So I was like, I felt like I was actually learning. I felt yeah. like I was actually connecting to my peers. Like, cause also when I was at Davis, I didn't really make any connections. Cause like, I'm not that much of an extrovert. So it's not like I'm somebody who's going to go up in like a huge lecture hall and try mm-hmm. to make friends. So sure, sure. I needed mm-hmm. to have it more organically. So like yeah. I was, I was able to find, you know, some people there and, um, I, I actually still did start as like, um, a, a business major, but I also was planning on doing theater as well. But then I was like, no, I hate business. <laughs> <laughs> I kept trying. I kept trying. I was like, let me try to get the pra- practical major. Let's mm-hmm. just be sure that nothing. <laughs> yeah. Else. yeah. <laughs> let me try literally everything. I'm like, yeah. but I was like, okay, I know what I want to do. I actually really do like theater. And yeah. that's when mm-hmm. I realized yeah. that's when I truly acted for the first time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And some carrots. Go ahead. No worries. <laughs> um, yeah. So I now did you did you have support from your parents? I mean, I don't know if you, you were driving your parents crazy or if they were totally supportive <laughs> of you. Um, no, they were supportive. I mean, I nice. I, I won't lie. There was a point in time where I was like, do I want to stay in college? And I wasn't certain because like I really didn't enjoy it, and I wasn't sure if I was going to find anything in college that actually reflected the arts. I mean, my main thing was like I was like I want to go to L.A. because I really want to dance. At the hip hop studios. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and and I actually culture, ended up doing that. Yeah. Um, like yeah, there's like there's two studios called Playground LA and Millennium, and those mm-hmm. are like two. I grew up watching because I've always been super um, fascinated with hip hop, and so I would grow up watching classes that were recorded at these studios and I'd be like, Oh my goodness. Like I just want to be able to dance there one day and I just want to do it now. I, you know? And so I, I was like, you know, let me just do both. I'm like, I'm going to stay in college. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to go to LA. And so that's why I only applied to LA. Yeah. And, 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 and so they were supportive. They're just like, as long as you stay in school, I'm like, okay. (laughs) Joy. uh, This brings me joy. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just, yeah. It's funny. I was. I just wanted to interject and bring Catherine in because when because you and I were talking about music, the history of music, mm-hmm. when you were on, mm-hmm. and there was a very interesting time in the nineties mm-hmm. where you had choreographed music like Janet Jackson mm-hmm. with Rhythm Nation. That was like in the late eighties. But then mm-hmm. you had In Living Color, mm-hmm. and you had J Lo and you know the the B girl dancers mm-hmm. and. I think people started to be like, wow, that is really, really cool. Choreographed mm-hmm. dancing and yeah. just look, you know, really, really awesome. And it's like, maybe that's a path. So I, I just. Dance through, through dance and music. I'm, I'm riveted by your story. <laughs> I, I thinking about just even the, the type of headphone that you're wearing right now. So yeah. that they called that like the, what do you call, uh, clo- no, 
the thing hanger coat yeah. hanger yeah, microphone yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so uh that was made i guess the first one as as far as i know the first yeah. one was made for kate bush maybe in oh, the late cool. 70s because she would like move and she took these like modern dance classes oh, and yeah. she would move and um when she performed so someone one of the engineers made her that coat hanger yeah, yeah that's interesting i'm that sure that was like the late been, 70s yeah, yeah that might have been the first one and also and think then, about madonna i mean yeah, i just think that, came, that yeah. you know prior to madonna and you know these you know women who were very um 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 what am I trying to say? Uh, emancipated, you know, by mm-hmm, their bodies mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically says, hey, I'm not just going to dance. Of movement. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to move and I'm going to do things that, you know, a lot of the guys can't do. And I think it just, it started a movement. So yeah. when I think, mm-hmm. I'm sure when you were growing up, you may have even seen oh, yeah. that, you know. Yeah. I mean, like Britney, just like, you know, I remember like, you know, dancing to like, oops, I did it again. You know, yeah. <laughs> just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like a little girl just like thinking it's so cool, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, I also, yeah, I've had a yeah, fixation with pop stars too. I love it. I mean, the whole like, with the little set here that, and just like you know singing and dancing in the choreography I would like learn the little choreography that pop yeah. stars would do amazing um, <laughs> you know pretend I'm a pop star in my own room mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> but that genre dominated the arts I think mm-hmm. you know when you, mm-hmm. you were growing up Mm-hmm. Just yeah. reminded me of that. It's true, yeah. So how was Loyola Marymount? I mean, did they, that college, I guess you learned a little, was, okay, so you said you got into improvisation. Yes. And business, but business really didn't take Yes, that's take true. Um, yeah, one of the first classes I took was uh, like improvisation and also like a, like a, um, just an intro to acting course because they just, they had you do that if you wanted to do a theater major. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, at, at that point, I had, I didn't even really know what a monologue was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, so I, I didn't know anything about theater. I mean, mm-hmm. I was just kind of, I mean, I had watched it when I was growing up, musical theater specifically. Um, but I didn't know that much about acting. But mm-hmm. I realized, um, you know, I kind of had this ability to just be natural with, you know, yeah. fake text. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so it's like there was other things that I, that I worked on you know like making sure you um you know try to find the emotional tie and so that's you, exactly right exactly that's the stuff type of stuff that i would learn yeah 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 mm-hmm. i mean norman and i would talk a lot about beats and objectives and stanislavski yeah. and you know when i went to school it was about method acting because you know although i i was involved in musicals as well mm-hmm. and, you know every now and then i still do mm-hmm. but when i went to class it was really about drama and right. monologues and dissecting a script Mm-hmm. And writing down, you know, the emotional, you know, let's say connection. Those are the beats, you know, the emotional, right. what I call the uh, the stop signs. You know, this is where you turn left or turn right or, you know, that sort of stuff. Did you learn that stuff? Yes, yes. I, I, I learned a lot about Stanislavski. And also, um, I, yeah, about the beats too. It's like, you know, it's really important. What I didn't realize when I first got into acting, I was just like, uh, you know, being natural is important. You know, being able to pretend is important. But you also, you have to let it be charged everything yes. needs to be charged right. people don't want to see a slice of life you yeah. know yeah. That's, that's the thing that right. i had that was a hump that i had to get over where it's like you you know you have to bring something to it you need to have something that you want like yes. you have yeah. to or else it's just boring to the audience right right <laughs> so yeah that was one of the the biggest things that i learned and you know just trying to you know like the moment before I mean, yeah. like that's that's the stuff that like you don't think about. You know, when you first get into it, you're just like, okay, here's the lines. Let me do the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you think about, you know, where was I? What where was I right before the scene? That's and, exactly right. Yeah, it's like, and you have to 
create the relationship with the person like you have to find meaning in that relationship with the person that you're having the same with you know it can't just be like this is a person and this is how i feel about them right now you have to think about how do i feel about this person in general you know who are they Mm -hmm. to me right exactly and even character analysis like you know let's say a background even a background that may not be plain it it may not be revealed in the text you may have to create exactly a sort of a background and the research and all of that sort of stuff yeah, I mean, some plays don't even necessarily give you a like a, a year. Like, mm-hmm. like the River Bride mm-hmm. didn't give us um, a year in which it was set. Like uh, our director Marty Pistoni uh, decided yeah. that it was. And I've worked with Marty, and he's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's great. Um, like truly a fantastic director. But um, yeah, it's just you know, it's it's so important to know where you are. Yes. <laughs> like create the world. You have to create the whole world around you. I mean, it, it has to be. Like, when I'm on stage, like, that's real for me, you know? Yeah. And it, I feel like it has to be. Like, if you want to give a really authentic performance, it has to feel real to you in some way. You know? mm. Yes, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up the whole asking question. You know, normally we've talked about the dialogue between the actor and the director. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say, you know, there are a lot of young actors who come out of school or they come on stage for the first time and they're like, hey, I'm just giddy. Just tell me what to do. And I'll right. do it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the actor can feel sort of like, you know, the the help or the subservient person who just does right. whatever. Instead of it being a true collaboration. Hey, I've got some ideas about this role. I have an idea about what I want to do here. I know you told me to go here, my blocking, mm-hmm. but I feel I want to go there. Yes. And you have, to be, you have to be in the environment where you can feel comfortable talking about that. That is so true. Yeah. And I, I do think the director is very responsible too for like creating that environment yeah. because, yeah. you know, how they respond to the actors lets the actors know um, even subconsciously how much they're allowed to speak up about what they want to be doing. Yes. Right. Um, and so if you're a director that gives your actors that space, I think you're getting it's like it might be a longer process and it may not be exactly what you pictured yes but it'll be more authentic yeah. I mean mm-hmm. if, you, if you let the actors take it in a direction that maybe you weren't expecting or you mm-hmm. know yeah. I mean that's and that's one thing Marty said he was like when you go up on this show when I see it again in, in, in like uh, a week or two I don't want to recognize it anymore I want it to be wow. yours yeah which is a heavy um, responsibility <laughs> that's true I mean yeah I mean it's, it's also yeah I mean it's as an actor of course there's been times where I'm like please <laughs> like tell me something to do like I'm not sure what to do here but like you have to I do think the more of yourself that you could bring to it yeah. I mean mm-hmm. it, it takes more work I mean you have to think about everything and try to charge everything yourself i mean like if it's easy it's really easy if the director is just like walk over here walk over there mm-hmm. <laughs> like um in this scene you feel this way in this scene you feel this way and it's like okay but like you know yeah and- i mean we're not a computer program it's not like you're you know the director's programming it okay so this is how you're going to feel when you walk over here <laughs> right and you know let me put in the light cues too here right and then execute you know, you, you're going to bring something. You're going to feel different one day, one that morning, is, one day. Exactly. As opposed to other, and you have to bring all of that in. You have to, yeah. You have to use it as much as you can. And that's something that I um, was working on too. And like, as an actor, like one of the habits that I realized that I had was like thinking about like, what's coming next? What's coming next? I'm like, that's not going to work here. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You have to be present. And yeah. that's something that like, I, I feel like. Oh, anticipating. Yeah. Anticipating. And you yes. can't do that. No. Like you just really can't. And, and and like, it's the sort of thing where I realize I, it's like, you have to just be, there's one thing that I um, heard and I can't remember where I heard it, where, but you have to breathe as your character. 
Very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Love you that. breathe as your character. And I was like, that is so grounding. I'm mm-hmm. like, because like, you know, as like, I'm sure fellow anxious individuals can relate to me. It's just kind of like, you know, when you're anxious enough, you don't actually think about your breathing. It's just happening yes. and probably fairly quickly. Yes. Yeah, I noticed emotionally, and I'll bring you in, Catherine, because we talk about in singing, mm-hmm. especially. Mm-hmm. So I remember being in a um, Candide, which is sort of a musical slash opera. Yeah. I really had to focus on my breathing because I'm usually I'm used to a soul R and B singing, mm-hmm. yeah. and all of a sudden you have to hit you know a high note and hit it for I don't know four or five measures or something <laughs> yeah. like yeah. that. Do you think about breathing and do you think about the emotion in your breathing? Because, you know, we played one of your songs when yeah. you were on. You have such emotion in your voice. Oh, thank you. And it's almost like it's effortless, but I know there's a lot of effort. Do you? Th- how much do you think about breathing? Oh, gosh, I think so much about breathing. I was going to ask you about the anxiousness and everything mm-hmm. because um, that I, I think oh, so important for as singers and I'm someone with a lot of voice training um there's so many things that we do just in our voice lessons and coaching times and choir practice that helps so much with acting too and with our breath yeah and there's just like these just this victory v shape that we make a deep breath in through our nose and then controlling our inhale and like supporting our breath all of that is so just actually great for anxiety too Mm -hmm. and I grew up doing a lot of music and I never thought about anxiety anxiety I didn't ever feel like I had any kind of um, growth to be had with that part of me but as I got older and even in in the pandemic I realized that I do carry a lot of anxiety and um, I actually fell back on a lot of those basics Mm -hmm. like okay deep breath in through my nose even before I do that get all my breath out Mm-hmm. first so I think about breath so much it's so it's fascinating yeah. to me it's I did have a question for you Lauren uh, mm-hmm. regarding emotion because I've noticed I mean I came from a, a rather I had a difficult childhood with mm-hmm. especially with my mom and theater sort of saved me as far as handling my emotions and whatever I mean I had an acting teacher once tell me theater is therapeutic but it is not therapy yes right you know, don't, it's not here to work out your emotions, but it can help you understand how to, because our emotions are our currency. Mm-hmm. You know, people pay us to, you know, <laughs> cry and laugh mm-hmm. and do the things they necessarily can't do or whatever. Has it helped you in your own, I don't know, emotional growth? Has it sort of freed you from whatever anxieties you may have had as, as when you were younger? Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that, um, it, it, it's definitely a release. Like when I'm when I'm actively doing a show, it's it's a way for me to channel. I like I feel like I have a lot of excess energy yeah. <laughs> um, that I want to put somewhere <laughs> productive, and mm-hmm. so like that's that's the sort of thing that I I do feel like it's it's a safe way to explore your emotional world, yes. you know. And I feel like um, it, it's like and and it's something really comforting about it being you know like kind of the the same every time it's not exactly the same but mm-hmm. it's like it's like it's like life except it's it's life that you know yeah. <laughs> so it feels like it feels nice to have like life that you know sometimes it just yeah. it can feel you know safer as opposed to life which can feel very very uh, um, unpredictable yeah. um so it's it's the sort of thing where it's like there's a sort of comfort to that because like I, I I will say like, I mean, there's just been, you know, people have come in out of my life where I'm just like, you know, I thought it was this, but it was actually, there were, it was this. And like, Uh it's like, it was like a 180 or it's kind of like, it's just, you know, so I I feel like it helped me 
almost understand the human condition more. Yes. <laughs> um, because, and that's something that I, I feel like I've spent my whole life doing because I feel like as a little girl, I kind of felt like an alien, but like I was, I, you know, I would, I would study the way like other people were. And I was like, sure. I, I didn't know this was ever going to help me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was just like, I was just like, this was just like a way for me, you know, to try to, you know, fit into society. And now I'm realizing, I'm like, who cares? I don't need to fit in. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, what, what is normal? No, I, I totally agree with that because I yeah. joined theater. I mean, all these, you know, as young kids, I know for me, I started out in the church. I was like, hey, I've got people looking at me. I'm doing the speech. This Mm -hmm. is wonderful. But it really did help me with my confidence, how to communicate. And really, when you walk into a theater space, when you walk to rehearsal, you're with individuals and our level of communication, the stronger the level of communication Mm -hmm. is, the greater the performance is on stage. And it's almost like a a community. It's almost like a... um, I don't want to romanticize it, but it really is sort of a tapestry. There are people that I've been on stage with 10, 20 years ago. I mean, our next guest will be someone I acted, you know, that I was involved with in 2001. Wow. And um, recently the exit closed um, for the last time. And I went to see to the last day of the exit and I saw him and I was like, man, I haven't seen you since 2003. (laughs) What's going on? And we picked up right where we are. And that's the beauty of theater when it's done right. It's you so know, true. some people don't think of theater as a community thing and a tapestry. They're like, hey, listen, it's business. Right. I'm trying to go to Broadway. <laughs> I want my money, whatever. And there's nothing wrong yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah, um, And Which leads me to my next question. Where do you see yourself uh, in, in the future? Broadway. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, I mean, you know, you, you got to think big. You know, sure. if you want to be big, you got to think big. But um, it's that's not to scoff on anything that happens on the way. You know, sure. I'm sure. I'm down to, you know, ultimately, as long as I'm doing art. Yeah, that's the goal. But I mean, here's the thing. As much as I love theater. Um, one of the things that I've always loved just as much as TV <laughs> yeah, and, and, and like the way TV has evolved too, like it's, it's always been like my comfort thing. Like when it comes like what media I want to consume, it's like, I always need to have a comfort TV show. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's, it's so like, it's actually so near and dear to my heart. Like, I don't yeah. know. Some people are like TV is boring. I'm like, no, it changed my life. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, mean, t- yeah. yeah, no, I was just going to say. There was a time where TV was really, really boring. This That's is really true. before yeah. HBO and FX, and you had all these, you know, incredible. And maybe The Sopranos was the first one That's that was That's the fair. the great where TV producers started look stop stopped looking at it like, well, this is a medium for the sitcom, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the standard three camera sitcom and Michael Keaton and the Bradys or whatever, and it became this gritty thing mm-hmm. like The Sopranos yeah. and Shield. and Breaking Bad Mm -hmm. and Game of Thrones and you could tell these crazy stories that you can't tell in the movie theater because you have more Mm -hmm. time than two and a half hours Mm -hmm. and it's not mainstream TV so you can get away with profanity or Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. delving into other things like Mr. Robot you know Mm -hmm. that's an incredible series of things so yeah I totally agree and I can see you doing that (laughs) even I've seen your like some of your social media Mm -hmm. and then that presence that you're talking about that I think that the way that you first started into acting with that humanness and right. that kind of, it seems very, um, it's very moving to just see you do anything on, on camera. Oh. Like even when you're singing like the little mermaid song yeah. and uh, it's, you have this kind of, it's calm, but like you said, charged and it's very fascinating to watch. So I think I'd, I'd be really excited mm-hmm. to see what you do on camera. I, 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 I wouldn't mind seeing you in a recording studio. 
You have thought about that? I would love that too. I mean, yeah, I, um, I, I want to, I want to do everything. That's a, that's a problem with me. It's like, yeah. I, it's hard for me to choose a lane. Like I want, I want to make an album. You know, I want, I want to be on TV. I want to do Broadway. You can do yeah. it all. Yeah. I want, I literally want to do it all. And some people are, I mean, like Cynthia Erivo is doing everything, you know? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's just like, I mean, I, I just, have you, feel, have you thought about a YouTube channel for you? You know, I've, I have, and maybe I should. I mean, it's like, it's hard for me to know how people really do this. <laughs> like, what's the path? I mean, with, with theater, I feel like it's more obvious. It's like with theater, you just submit, 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 submit. It's very obvious. But like right. with TV, how do I start? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, it's like, I, I know sometimes like, and there's been a few cases where I, you know, I've sent in a, a self tape to a massive open call, <laughs> but it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, there's so many auditions that you don't even know about unless yeah. you have an agent, right. but then how do you get the agent? Sure. <laughs> and a lot of times it's connections. Like one of the things yeah. about doing the yay, I've made so many connections. Like, you know, Norman G will bring in someone like Margot Hall. Margot Hall has done uh, Disney movies. Oh, cool. You know, she did um, Soul. And I think mm-hmm. she's involved in a sitcom right now. And I have another friend who was on the A, Rondrell McCormick, who was also in uh, New York. Uh, when I, I remember stage managing Ray of Light Theater, they did um, uh, Bat Boy. Um, it's supposed to write behind oh, okay. you. Directed by James Eichelhart, who, of course, is a Tony nomina- nominee. Right. So you never know. You walk into a black box theater and you think, well, you know, we're doing this little show and we may get 20 people in. But you never know who will be yeah. on stage next to you. You never know who's going to direct true. you. You never know who's going to be in the audience. Mm-hmm. You never know what that connection's going to be. And I think there, you know, there really is so much more. You can get so many books about like, okay, how to be a theater actor. Right. You, can, you can go to school for it. And um, I feel like for uh, for TV, there are also books like uh that you can get and i'm a total nerd about like (laughs) if you're into doing something just like devour everything about it and there are like best practices so like Mm -hmm. if you want to do tv there's like certain things you can do like you make your reel you um you you'd probably know them all i mean you went to school right yeah no yeah yeah you could do it yeah i know i mean it's just you just gotta grind (laughs) that's exactly right and i I think you're on the right path because there really there really is no set path right as far as making it big there's so many ways and right you know you keep on hitting you know as many theaters as you possibly can right. do as many roles as you possibly can mm-hmm. and all of a sudden someone calls you up and all of a sudden you're not you don't have to audition anymore yeah I, <clears> I hope <throat> to get to that level <laughs> yeah where it's not so much ask 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 but somebody might just say hey <laughs> we have something for you you know but it's you know i'm i will hustle as long as i need to hustle i'm just, I'm just so determined i just like i just I'm like, it's, it's gotta happen for me. Eventually it's gonna happen. You know, it's like, that's just it's the mindset happening. I have to have. Yeah, it's, it's happening. happening you're, you know? you're busy. It's, I mean, oh my gosh, that's the way it happens. Yeah. And all of us are in the same hustle. All of us are trying to do the same thing and mm-hmm. find our, our path. And uh, that's another wonderful thing about theater. You know, we're all in this together. You know? Right. This is true. So all of a sudden, let's say if one of us make it big, we could say, hey, you know, I'm working on a project. I know who I can call. Yeah. Right. Hit up Lauren. Hit up Catherine and all that stuff. <laughs> yes. So there Barbara you go. Barbara Cook said, we never know when we're in a, a golden age while it's happening. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. So this busy time in theater is like, could be something you look back on like, whoa, I was in this like golden age of Bay Area theater. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's the sort of thing you don't really realize how special something is until it's gone. Yeah. True. I mean, it's like, yeah. One last question before, because we've, it's one o'clock, so I want to be respectful of everyone's time. 
How is the Bay Area treating you? Are you getting the roles that you want? Are you frustrated? Are you happy? Um, how, how, how is the Bay Area treating you? Generally speaking, pretty well. I, I would say the only thing with uh, Bay Area theater is I wish there was like more professional opportunity because like there there's like a there's like a, a lot of community opportunity but like i feel like especially in the area like south bay sure i feel like there could be more professional opportunity it's like because the only thing we have in the south bay i think is like theater works yeah um, yeah i think that's pretty much the only place so i yeah i mean because i know there's there's a lot of other places where there's like you know small professional theaters like all over the you know town or whatever and i just mm-hmm. don't feel like we have as much as that like we have professional stuff happening like actually in san francisco but yeah. but like outside of that i feel i wish i i mean i just wish there was more mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all i can say mm-hmm. i mean like i'm glad that we have opportunity i just wish there's more yeah. yeah you know uh because Norman and I, we've been talking about how a lot of theater companies are drying up because they don't have the money. I that's think that's true. the reason why there's no professional. Because th- when I think professional, I think equity true. and yeah. you know actual contracts. Like yes. the next project I'll be working on will be with uh, Z Space and also mm-hmm. with Three Girls Theater. They're doing mm-hmm. a play, a one woman play called Tasha, oh, cool. a black woman who was killed by a cop. Oh, and wow. um, the contract that I got was excellent. It was, you know, four figures. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, this is what, <laughs> this is how, because I, yeah. we always emphasize, hey, know your value. Right. You know, you're, you're young folk, you know, coming in and a theater company is like, yes, we want to cast you. And well, we're a young theater and just be excited <laughs> about theater. Right. right. You'll do it for free, right? right. You'll do it for, you know. Yeah. I mean, Norman complained about, um, it was the, um, oh, shucks. My brain is gone. Um, but there's uh, uh, Maskers, Maskers Playhouse. Okay. okay. They were paying actors a hundred dollars for a show. I know. For production. And that's very common now. Yeah. And that's the sort of thing yeah. where it's like, you know, that's not even enough to cover. Exactly. <laughs> and I get it. I know. I know. It's like. I mean, theater's like. You know, we're doing the best we can. And I, I, I do understand. But it's. I. I don't know if the solution is like more theaters combining and coming together and like combining resources. I don't really know. Cause it, yeah. it is a sort of thing where it's like, I do feel like actors are often underpaid. Yes. Very <laughs> much so. Um, and I, I feel like that's even a little controversial to say sometimes, but like it's, it, I mean, it is well, not necessarily. I mean, not at all. I, I mean, know. my mantra is if you call yourself a production company, have the money ready before you even do an audition True. or even have a you know a production thing I mean I remember self-producing Four Men in Paris and I made sure my actors were paid I think $400-$500 dollars. very cool yeah. and a lot yeah. of it came out of my own pocket I yeah. mean I did help help, help with uh, Plethos but mm-hmm. you can't I can, if I know that I myself would not you know have actors on I would not want to do a role if I'm paid less than four hundred dollars, mm-hmm. why would I ask someone else to do it? Right. So, mm-hmm. so don't call yourself a theater company if you don't have the money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I do feel like that's happening fairly frequently, and I feel like it's happening fairly frequently in the Bay Area. But I mean, it's yeah, I know that we're especially because of COVID, a lot of people are struggling. Theaters are closing. It's really yeah. sad. I mean, it's just it's the sort of thing where like I wish the arts did just have more money to give in general. Just like, you know, I wish you, you know, I wish we didn't have to struggle so much. And there is value in the arts. I mean, people think it's a, it's a funny thing. And this will be the last thing before we wrap it up. But I'm sure a lot of parents, when they send their kids to school, they're like, well, you know, focus on, you know, uh, math and Mm -hmm. science and the the important things, but not art. Yeah. But really when you go through the world and, you know, having, I'll show my age. I'm 53 years old. But 
the most important thing of value that I can give to really any organization is my creativity. Yeah. I mean, I even see it when I work at my day job at the district attorney's office, how to problem solve, how yeah. to communicate. Yeah. And you're not going to learn how to communicate with math and English. I mean, math and English, they are important. Right. Yeah. But you really need to how, learn how to know how to express yourself. It's, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and like the final thing that I'll say too is just like, um, I, I do feel like there, especially in the area that I grew up in, there's such a strong emphasis on, you know, it was like the art is not going to get you money. The art's not going to get you paid. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, and like, you're not totally wrong, but like, it's important. I mean, all everyone consumes art. Everyone yes. finds it so important, but they don't think artists are that important. Right. They think art is important. Right. But the artist yeah, is like, who's going to be the next so-and-so? Who's going to be? It's like, if, yeah. if no one is encouraged, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, yeah. it's what it is. I love that you found a way to make it happen through mm-hmm. right in middle school when it started to be like, maybe like pushed away from you from all sides. And then I feel like all these different paths that you took are just different like universes that you can like go back into and like for every, you can play a businesswoman because you studied business. (laughs) You can play a scientist. You know how to do, be in a lab. And I think that's fantastic. How, How do your parents, have they seen you on stage? Oh, yeah. They've seen me on stage. They, they come to see all my shows. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So they're supportive. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. They are supportive. I mean, they, they want me to follow my dreams. And uh, I, I think I think that they have faith that I can do it. So Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, that is fantastic. Yeah. I wish someone had gone back and, like, we could go back in time to that moment where you had to pick between drama and uh, choir. Mm-hmm. Because I've heard, heard this so many times where kids have to pick between orchestra and mm-hmm. band or orchestra and choir yeah. mm-hmm. or one or the other. And, we like, I actually didn't know this until I was in high school and I saw another girl do this. But mm-hmm. um, there's actually a lot of power that students and parents have that we don't realize. And yeah. if your parent talks to the school and is like, I want my kid to do drama and choir, mm-hmm. yeah. they can ha- make it work for you where you go to drama one week and then choir the next week. Oh, or, wow. And they will, they can do that. It's not mm-hmm. like impossible. And we really shouldn't have to do that but yeah. it is possible and I, so I hope that at that middle school level and that high school yeah. level that kids can have these opportunities so that like you know you can get into it when you want to get into it and, so true yeah yeah I went to a school of the arts when I was in high school oh, and wow. there were kids who did the double major and of course you know the counselor would be like listen it's a lot of work and all that stuff and even if you drop out of one at least you know yeah Rather yeah. than choosing one and wishing you had chose the other and it's too late. Exactly. <laughs> so there you go. Mm-hmm. All right. So there are some birthdays. Um, William Bibbins, um, I forget what project I worked with him on, but uh, in any case, his birthday is today. Also, Dave Garrett, um, Kelsey Poe. I know when I worked with her, uh, we did One Ten in the Shade. That was the uh, the musical telling of The Rainmaker. So that was wonderful. So Kelsey, happy birthday to you. Um, Sean J. West, he is uh, someone who has directed me. He's a wonderful actor and director. I believe he is directing, um, a soldier's story at the Altarina. His birthday was January the 5th. Um, the wonderful, talented actress, Emma Mercier. Uh, she and I shared the stage, one ten in the shade. Uh, her birthday was on January the 6th and, um, Stephen McLeod, his birthday will be January the 9th. And he and I were on stage. We did um, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. That was at the town, excuse me, the town hall theater. So happy birthday, Stephen. Uh, Rona Siddiqui, who is actually a Broadway, I believe she's a Tony Award winning um, um, musical writer. 
And um, her birthday is January the 9th. I remember working with her at the Darkroom Theater, another one of those theaters that has gone now. Also January the 9th, Craig Dickerson, a very good friend of mine, fantastic actor. I was involved in a theater company called EastEnders Repertory Company, and he was one of the featured actors. As a matter of fact, there are a couple of uh, posters which has his picture on it. Uh, Craig, he's he's now in Texas. Uh, happy birthday to you, Craig. Uh, let's see, who else? Paul Baird McCormick. His birthday will be January the 10th. We did Hedda Gobbler, and I tell you, the women just swooned over him. <laughs> you never thought some post-millennials would be so interested in an 18th century <laughs> play by Henrik Ibsen, but they were just uh, rav- ravished by uh, Paul. Uh, happy birthday to you, Paul. Um, on January the 11th, Carolina Moronis, her birthday will be on, um, is January the 11th. Her and I were on stage for Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, and she's doing some major incredible things. And the last person is Casey DeCaney. Her birthday is January the 13th. I um, I stage managed Wonder of the World. I'm looking at the poster right now. No, was it was it Casey? I think she was. I was. I think she may have been an ex-Eastenderer. Um, but in any case, her birthday is January the 13th. She's one of these uh, actresses who became a mom. And it's so, I don't know, I feel kind of sad where, let's say, a person gets married, they have mm-hmm. kids, and they're like, well, I guess my theater life is over, so right. let me just, you know, walk away from it. And it feels sort of sad because, of course, it's wonderful they're starting a family, mm-hmm. but all that talent. And sometimes they do jump back in. Mm-hmm. So... So that's that. There are a couple of shows that are going on, uh, that will be going on. Um, of course, I want to advertise L12 Space Songwriting Contest. That'll oh, be February the 11th. Yeah, it's a, it's a wor- uh, like kind of like a showcase, just like a collection of songwriters. Not, Yeah, it could be a contest. If it was, everyone would win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe I should delete that. Maybe it's a showcase. I'll yeah, put it a showcase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. we have the link there. There's a Facebook link. And yeah. of course, you will be there. Yeah, and some excellent songwriters from the Bay Area, local talent, um, some people that I've done shows with recently, and just incredible some incredible songs incredible singers some of the songs are just fascinating like there's one uh singer francis Anchetta, who wrote a song about um the watsonville fi- filipino um farm workers oh, and wow. it's just a moving moving song her sa- her voice sounds like, kind of like it reminds me of this like disney princess just beautiful <laughs> um gorgeous voice and yeah there's it's gonna be a good time very nice will it be streamed at all or it's it's one of those it's that's gotta be a good live. question i think it's gonna, there's been talk about streaming it but i think it's gonna be live you, you can feel free to follow uh katherine park if you want to if we do stream it i'll be sure to share it okay so. cool also shotgun players is doing uh siren uh that will be on uh, two nights only january the 9th and the 10th it streams on January the 10th. I believe this is a reading. A good friend of mine, Kimberly Ridgway, is in that one, and I have a link to Shotgun, so check that out. Um, Paradise Blue, Aurora Theater is doing that. That starts January the 27th. Michael Ashbery is in that show, and Don Monique Williams is directing that. Uh, two very good friends of mine, and I have a link for that as well. Uh, Nanai, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's a Philippine word. N-A-N-A-Y. Town Hall Theater is doing that. Written by my very good friend Molly Alice Cross. We had her on the yay. And it was really fascinating because um, she is mixed Philippine and Jewish. And she talked about how living in those two worlds, almost feeling alien because she didn't feel completely Filipino. She didn't feel completely Jewish, but she is both. 
and you and I, Catherine, we've talked about being mm-hmm. of a mixed race. Mm-hmm. So that was a wonderful conversation. And her uh, her play, Nanai, I'm so glad that Town Hall is featuring this uh, great Philippine writer. Sounds and she's really young, cool. so that's awesome. January the 20th, 21st, 27th, and 28th. Uh, there are a couple of uh, other podcasts that I want to push. Uh, my good friend Barry Graves, he was my um, Richard Wright in my play Foreman in Paris. He has a podcast called The Black Man's Heart, talking about black issues and just what it is to be a, a black man in America. So check that out. That's on all podcast apps. Uh, Mallory Somera, our consulting producer, her day job is KCBS, and she has two um, podcasts that she is producing. One is called As Prescribed. It is a weekly conversation with leading medical experts at UCSF Medical Center. And um, it's generational. That's another podcast. It's a deep dive on how each generation looks at things differently. I just listened to their last podcast. They were talking about um, work ethic, you know, and how each generation has their own different work ethic. I'm a generation Xer, and there are a lot of boomers who are like, oh, you guys were slackers. You guys weren't real workers or whatever. And now they're saying the same thing about millennials. So whatever. But it's a wonderful conversation. And uh, so each episode, and they're just beginning. I think they just did their fourth episode. So check that out. It's prescribed and I'm sorry, um, as prescribed and it's generational. Also, Central Works. They have a podcast called the Central Works Script Club, where you can download and read a play script and then listen to an audio interview with the playwright. It's delivered semi-annually. And Bindlestiff has the Fobcast, exploring Philippine-American immigrant stories, so check that out as well. And also, I still have yay jerseys. Catherine's wearing her yay jersey. Thank you for buying that. <laughs> I had to represent with it. <laughs> yeah, I have white and black, and uh, if people want pinstripes, I can reorder those. It's only $30, and it'll really help us out. Um produce the show mm-hmm. that is that uh, Lauren did you enjoy yourself very much thank you for inviting me yeah thank you and hopefully it's not too cold in here I, I get very cold myself so. <laughs> but in any case uh, yeah we want to thank everyone for who has uh, supported the yay we are on all podcast apps we're on the Apple podcast app we're on uh, Spotify we're on overcast um, uh, if you are a SoundCloud if you we're on soundcloud.com if you're an Android user I'm also, we're also on Mastodon. That's another um, sort of social media thing mm-hmm. that people are jumping on, especially if you're jumping off of the Twitter thing, if you're <laughs> an anti-Elon Musk thing. So right. we're going to be posting things on Mastodon as well. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. Our Twitter slash Mastodon feed is the Yay 3 I'm at Red Space Clay. Uh, Norman is at Hoosier Hoosier. Lauren, is there a place where people can uh, directly contact you? Um, I mean, a good place is my Instagram, which is the at Lauren DePass, just my name. Okay. <laughs> um, if you want to DM me, that's probably the best way. <laughs> um, so that's probably what I would recommend. Cool. And Catherine, um, um, CatherinePark.com, right? Yeah, same and same Instagram is great. Mm-hmm. Catherine Park. Yeah. Right on. So any budding directors who are looking for a fantastic actress and singer, you can't go wrong with Lauren DePass. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. There you go. All right. Happy, um, well, happy 2023. Uh, thank you for um, in giving us our inaugural um, yay for 2023. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to get you out before the storm is there. And as Norman and I always say, we got to find a better sign-off, and we are out. Thank you.